we're going to do something a little bit different today in terms of reading the word. So we have four young folks who will be reading the scripture verses today. But I still want us to stand up to hear the word of God. So if you can stand with me. We'll be reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27. It should be up on the board, I think, as well. And young people, read. (laughs) Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. For the sake of his body, which is which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden of ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word. While you're, while you're on your feet, let me pray. Father, uh, we pray that this word, your word, might take root in our hearts and that, Lord, you might do a work among us uh, in this church. And even today, Lord, so, Lord, break down any hard places in our hearts. Lord God, get through the things that stop our minds from hearing what you're saying and have your way among us to the glory of God in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Today I'm talking on the subject, Jesus flow through us. Uh, It is a powerful uh, sentiment that Paul gives in Colossians chapter 1 that we just read. And this is our last Sunday uh, where we've done emotionally healthy spirituality. So this is kind of on the last chapter of it. You're going to wonder for a, a little while how in the world is Pastor Larry getting there. It doesn't seem like he's on track. But just hang on with me for a little while and hopefully we'll get on track in a bit. But let me start with this. Many people think that rap music started in the 1970s or so in New York City, it was a way of talking on the street. It became an art form, and it finally hit our culture in a big way. It exploded on the scene in 1979 when a group called the Sugar Hill Gang, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, released a song called Rapper's Delight. Some of y'all know that. It goes a little something like this. Y'all ready for this? I said a hip, a hop. A hibbit to the hibbit, the hip-hop, you don't stop dancing till the bang-bang, the boogie set up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogity bee. Skilly bebop, we rock, and Scooby-Doo, guess what? America, we love you. You're going to rock and roll to the so much soul. You're going to rock till you're 101 years old. I don't mean to bag, I don't mean to boast, but we're like hot butter on a breakfast toast. I'm going to stop it right there. Some people think that that's where rap music started, but it ain't. It ain't. So I, I, was, I was studying and thinking through emotionally healthy spirituality. And, and one of the things I, I came across that I've come across years ago was a, a prayer by a missionary in the 5th century. He had been 
uh, a slave and he, he was able to get himself out of slavery and he became a missionary in a land where there was no presence of the Christian church whatsoever. He went to Ireland. Some of y'all know the name St. Patrick. And so St. Patrick wrote a very famous prayer. He spoke a very famous prayer. There's different versions of it because it's almost, it's over 1,500 years old. But one version of St. Patrick's is called St. Patrick's Breastplate. And, and one chorus of this, one verse of this goes like this. I think we have it on, on the board. But just can't you imagine this as a little bit of a rap? Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me. you got to do this with your hands. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in all that love, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. You see that poetic verse? That poetic verse is there, and I'm reading this, and I'm looking at this, and thinking about this 5th century missionary prayer of St. Patrick. And then two months ago, an album dropped. Some of y'all know by Kanye, Christ is King. And, and this is not a referendum on Kanye West at all. But there's something in that album, if you listen to it, there's some Jesus up in that John. There really is. And, and here was Kanye's like little flow rap. Here I go trying to be Kanye now. Jesus help me. Seth, my apologies already. <laughs> Jesus flow through us. Jesus heal the bruises. Jesus clean the music. Jesus, please use us. Jesus, please help. Jesus, please heal. Jesus, please forgive. Jesus, please reveal. Jesus, give us strength. Jesus, make us well. Jesus, help us live. Jesus, give us wealth. Jesus is our safe. Jesus is our rock. Jesus, give us grace. Jesus, keep us safe. Anthony like that. That's all right. I'm good. And I got your name right too, didn't I? Yes. So I'm looking at this and here we have this ancient prayer of a fifth century missionary. And then I see this little rap thing that comes out. And what I see in the middle of all of it is Jesus is it. Jesus is all. And the sentiment at the very beginning of those words is this, Jesus flow through us. Jesus flow through us. Paul said that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wants his life to flow through your life that he might be glorified in his world. So we've got two points we're going to look at today briefly. The first point is this. You are called to be a river of God's blessing. You are called to be a river of God's blessing. There's four things that I want you to understand in terms of God's design for you to be a blessing. Four things that I want you to to understand on that. And the first thing is this, God's original design. God's original design, we see it, we can see it certainly at the beginning of Genesis, but I want to turn you to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, the calling 
of Abram. And Abram, he's still named Abram at this point, is called immediately after we see what happens with the Tower of Babel. And there is divine judgment on the peoples of the earth as they are coming together to conspire to be like God themselves. And at Babel, in chapter 11 of Genesis, God spreads the people over the whole earth. He scatters them. He confuses their languages. They can't understand one another anymore. There's divine judgment that has come. But right after that judgment, God does what he always does. He comes in redeeming love. And he comes to one man, to Abram. And he says these words I'm just reading from, Uh, verse 2 and 3, I will make you into a great nation. Look at this, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth, say all the peoples, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's original design. Can you see what he's doing here? In these two little verses, he uses the word bless five times. God is about blessing. And he uses this term that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You could render that term from the Hebrew, all the families of Adam. He actually uses a word for earth there called Adama, which is where we get the name Adam. Usually the word for earth is Eretz, but in this context he uses the word uh, the word Adama. So all the families of Adam, he says, will be blessed through you. God's design from the beginning. But here's the second thing, and this is the problem. The problem is that God's original design to li- is to be lived out through his descendants, but instead of living out that and blessing everyone that they come in contact with, what we see is God's people hoarding their blessings. We see that through all of what we read in the Old Testament narratives. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Exodus, Leviticus, the Torah. We see it in the narratives of First and Second Samuel in Kings and Chronicles. We see it in the Judges. We see that a people get stopped up, and instead of becoming a blessing to the whole world, they themselves try to hoard that blessing, and it doesn't work. And so we see in the prophets the judgment of God upon those who will not be a light to the nations, who will not be a blessing to the rest of the humanity, who will not bless all the peoples of the earth. We see uh, them not doing this. And so in Amos chapter 5, the prophet says these words, Amos chapter 5, starting at verse 21, I hate... That's a strong word, y'all. This is God speaking. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. 
Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Do you hear those words? From God saying, you might think you have the best worship service going. Everything's on point. The music is just right. The offerings are just right. Everything's in place. And God says, it stinks to me. I have no regard for it. I want nothing to do with it. Look at verse 24. He says, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never Failing stream, Jesus, flow through us. God, flow through us like a never-failing stream, like a river, like a torrent that touches and brings life wherever it goes. Jesus, flow through us. Instead of doing that, the nation of Israel stops up that blessing, and they receive God's severe judgment. But praise God. Be to the mighty God of the universe, because y'all know the story doesn't stop there. If it did, y'all wouldn't be here, and neither would I. The story doesn't stop there, but the third thing you need to see in this is that there is, instead of continued failure, there is success through the Son. There is success in Jesus Christ. And so not only does Jesus, we know the the gospel story. He dies on the cross for our sins. He is raised on the third day. And he does this to bring humanity back together as one people of God. I love this verse, these verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He puts it this way. For he himself, speaking of Christ, is our peace who has made the two groups one. Now, in his language, he's talking about Jew and Gentile. But when Paul says that, when a first century Jew says that, he's saying everybody, everybody, all peoples of the earth, all the families of Adam. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15 By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Praise God that Jesus Christ has fixed up. He has done what all Israel could never do, what Abraham failed at, what Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and go through the list. They, none of them were able to get it, but Jesus hit the mark. He finished the work. And on that cross, he said, it is finished. Not only that, I, I love what Paul says later in Galatians chapter 3, it's not on the board, but Galatians 3.28, he puts it this way, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. He says there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In each of those three instances, those different terms that he gives, he contrasts the privileged with the marginalized. 
he contrasts the strong with the weak. And he contrasts the powerless with the powerful. And he says, because of the finished work of Christ, we are now all on the same level in Christ. Jesus flow through us. That does not look like the world that you and I live in, does it? So, there's a fourth thing here. That Jesus' work is not done until his work is flowing through you. Flowing through me. Flowing through his church. The work is not done. I remember the first time I read verse 24. It's up there now. And I was a brand new Christian and I'm reading through my Bible the first time. I'm like, I love this Bible. I love this word of God. Colossians 1 is killing it for me. Jesus is the one who is above all others. He is the firstborn. He is the one who comes to save in a mighty way. And then I get to verse 24. And y'all, I'm telling you, I got mad. I got mad. First time, new Christian. Paul says, I fill up my in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. I've been reading this Bible. I've been reading through the New Testament. I said, wait a second. There's nothing lacking in Christ's affliction. Amen? Jesus paid how much? He paid it all. All to him I owe. Jesus finished the work. He said to Telestai on that cross. It is finished. It is done. All the debt of sin has been paid once and for all through me. Paul, what you talking about, Paul? I fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, obviously, I was a newbie Christian. Didn't know what I was talking about. But I looked at that and I said, that's puzzling to me. I think some of y'all know the answer to that already. Listen to it this way. Although Jesus has paid the full cost for our sin debt, the payments still need to be distributed. Somebody should say amen. I appreciate that, yes, but we need an amen in here. He's paid it all, but that, 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 that payment needs to be distributed to people to understand what they have in Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit along with the church. Let me illustrate it this way. Some of you have heard of Juneteenth. I hope you have. Juneteenth is the celebration of the last slaves in America who heard about their freedom, finally. It's a, I pray one day it'll be a national holiday. It's not yet, but I pray it will be. It should be. After the close of the Civil War, on, July, on June 19, 1865, Union soldiers went into Galveston, Texas, and let a group of people who had lived in bondage and slavery know that the war is over, the Emancipation Proclamation that was signed two and a half years ago in 1863 is in effect, and you are free. They had lived for two and a half years as slaves, even though the law said they were free, they still lived as slaves. Brothers and sisters, I hope you can hear what I'm saying today. Jesus has paid everything to set us free 
But just like those Union soldiers, we need to get the word out. We need to let the world know that Jesus' work is done and there is freedom and there is power and there is healing and there is blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him alone. The end of that passage, verse 27 says to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus, flow through us. Jesus, flow through us. Jesus, flow through us. Let me say this this way, the next slide. The work begun in the body of of Christ on the cross needs to be completed through the body of Christ, which is the church. You get that? The work that was done on a physical body, the body of Jesus Christ, the work was begun there. He completed the payment for sin, but it can only be distributed, completed through the work of the body of Christ, which is you and me, which is his church. Jesus, flow through us. We need to hear the clear call as believers that his blessing never, ever, ever comes so that you will just say, I'm a blessed person, blessed and highly favored. But that you will be a conduit of the power and the grace of Almighty God to change the lives of those who touch your life. Most of y'all who came in there in here today knew that already. I just spent 15 minutes talking about something y'all already knew, 20 minutes. Sorry for that. But I hope you know it better now. I hope it's in your soul now. But the question of the day is how do we take that knowledge? How do I, I know that I need to be a conduit of God's grace and mercy and blessing, but how is it that I orient my life to be able to do that more powerfully by the grace of God? I'm so glad y'all asked that question today. One way we do it, as we've been looking at emotionally healthy spirituality in this last chapter, is through this idea of the rule of life, living out a rule of life. Living out a rule of life will help you to flow, will help Jesus to flow through your life. Peter Scazzaro says these words at one point in the book. He says, most people live off of other people's spirituality rather than taking time to develop their own direct experience of God. I've been in ministry in one way or another for about 35 years. And I wish I could say, I disagree with you, Peter Scazzaro. That's not my experience. But the reality is, that is exactly my experience. Not just with brand new Christians who are new to the church, but with leaders in the church. I remember being in seminary and just being uh, uh, amazed at the struggle, my own struggle, to have a real spiritual life outside of doing the seminary work and the, the work in the Bible that made me think that I was really connecting with God, but I wasn't. I was just doing my assignment. 
ministry can come with a cost where you think you're actually doing something for God. You think that you're connecting with him, but you're just doing your job. But what I've found is that so many believers live off of the capital of the time that others have spent in the presence of God and they themselves have not experienced God and his power in their own lives. We need a revival of people having encounters with the living God. Knowing it right here is not going to do it. It's got to get from here to here to here. To our hands, to our feet. Only God can do that work. The rule of life is a way that can truly help. It's helped me in my life over the last uh, six or seven years in particular. Now that language rule of life may sound sound strange to you. And I'm not going to try to teach you everything about it. Because there's a lot of materials on that. Uh, on that. And you can look that up. But too often Christians leave real sustainable spiritual growth up to random chance. I'm just going to live my life, and I think I'm going to grow in Christ. Can I give you a newsflash? You ain't. Life will take you everywhere but to the throne of grace. you got to do this stuff on purpose. The idea of rule of life, we see it through the Bible. It became very popular in the 3rd and 4th centuries. Interestingly enough, through a group of Christians known as the Desert Fathers. Most of those Desert Fathers were from Africa. And those Desert Fathers, one of them, St. Anthony, put together a rule of life. How then shall I live to make Christ the center of everything so that he can flow through me in a powerful way? And he developed a rule of life that was widely spread throughout the whole a Roman Empire at the time. It was used in a powerful way. The, the biographer of St. Anthony is a man by the name of St. Athanasius. If you've studied church history, you know St. Athanasius, probably the greatest of the early theologians of the church. His nickname by his opponents was the Black Dwarf because he was small and he was dark. But he was one who championed the Trinity and got us through many controversies early in the church. But look at this idea, this rule of life. How do I consciously build my life around Jesus Christ, around knowing him, around growing in him so that he can flow through me? Think of Daniel and his boys taken away into Babylon. You remember his guys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or I call them Shaddy, Mish, and Abby D. But they're deported into Babylon. And the one thing that their captors want to do is take away every hint of the flavor of their distinctiveness as the people of God from them and mold and shape them into the culture around them, which was idolatrous. Brothers and sisters, the enemy strategy ain't changed at all. That's exactly what he wants to do to you and to you and to you, even in the balcony, and to me. He wants to mold and shape us with no distinctiveness of Jesus flowing through us at all. And it's a powerful thing. I believe a rule of life can help. Let me just give you a couple things on a rule of life. First of all, three very basic guidelines for putting it together. Number one. Guideline number one, 
it must have an overarching goal. It has to have something. This is what my life is about. I'll share mine with you. I didn't come up with it myself. I stole it from someone else. You can steal this from me. To receive the love of God and offer his love to those around me. That's what my life is about. Jesus, flow through us. Secondly, it must be concise. That means short. If if you write a book, this is my rule of life. Look at page 237, paragraph 6. You're never going to ever be able to get that yourself. So I would really encourage people to make it something on one page. I was I meant to print mine out so that I could just flash it, but it's on one page. It's a one-page rule of life that helps direct me that I come back to and going through emotionally healthy spirituality has forced me to go back to it one more time and say, ah, I need to change some things. It needs to be concise. Thirdly, it must be comfortable. It must comprehensively cover every area of your life. Now, there's four basic areas that I want to look at. Here's the four areas I have on mine. Number one, relationships. That includes family. It includes church. It includes community. It includes different types of fellowship you may have. If you have a discipleship group, an accountability group, whatever it may include, you put all of those things in relationships. Secondly, spiritual disciplines. That includes things like what we've been talking about in EHS. It includes daily office. It includes prayer. It includes fasting, scripture reading, journaling. It can include retreats. It can include uh, things like, uh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Uh, Scripture reading, journaling, all of these things. It can include all of those things, spiritual disciplines. Thirdly, it includes work. That's both your regular employment but more than just your employment, if you own a home or if you have responsibilities for other things that are work, you include all of that under work. If you have ministries that you do, and that's, that could be part of your work as well, work. And then lastly, rest. That includes Sabbath, recreation, vacations, things that you delight in. How can I really Give myself to some things that I can really delight in and be re-energized by. That's under rest. Now, your rule of life should not just be a description of what you do, but a plan to grow so that Jesus can flow through you more. A plan that you wake up in the morning and you're living your life on purpose. You're starting your week and you're living on purpose. You're starting your month. You're in a new season and you're living on purpose so that Jesus Christ can flow through you. Why is this important? It's important because clarity of purpose daily, weekly, and throughout your life allows Jesus to flow through you. And if the flow stops, we're in trouble. Let me give you one last illustration and then have the musicians come up and we're going to have a time of prayer together. The Dead Sea, many of you know, is a body of water in Palestine. But the Dead Sea is actually not a sea, it's a lake. It's at the lowest physical point on the earth the Dead Sea is. And the Dead Sea has a salt content 
that is nine times as great as the ocean. The Dead Sea lives up to its name. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. There is no life in the Dead Sea. It's dead. Why is it dead? Because it is stagnant water. The Jordan River flows into it. Some other tributaries flow into it. But there is nothing flowing out of the Dead Sea. Brothers and sisters, you feel like you're being blessed by God, but there's nothing flowing through you. You're going to become stagnant. Stagnant. You're going to become dead. And God's life and flourishing at work for you is meant to flow through you always and every time. That's a personal application. I want to apply this to the church as well. Think of it this way. The blessing of God, brothers and sisters at New Life Church, must flow from one generation to the next generation. It must flow from generation to generation to generation. If not, it leads to death. I'm going to come up here on the stage. Musicians can begin to play a little bit behind me. The blessing of God has to flow through us to the next generation. New Life Church has a great history. God has used this church in amazing ways. Many people have gotten saved here. Families and lives have been eternally changed here. But we've got to admit that there's an issue. Can we admit that together? And and the issue that I'm talking about is this. That we have not been nearly as successful as we wish we had at the next generation and the next generation coming up after us. Grabbing a hold of this faith and running with it to the generation after them. Brothers and sisters, we need to commit ourselves that we will do everything in our power to see generations behind us take a hold of the mantle of God and become a blessing to to their generation and those after them. We have a generational job to do now at New Life Church. And someone would say, but Pastor Larry, we're also trying to do this ethnic diversity thing and get people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And I would say, yes, we are. They said, isn't that a little bit too much to bite off? Isn't that like doing double work? Is that not impossible? We have a God of a double blessing. Amen? We have a God of a double portion, and he is more than able. So we commit ourselves today. This is what I want to do. We're going to be working out a lot of things in 2020 and beyond. But I want it to start right now today. We don't have to wait for the calendar to change. We can start something today. So this is what I would like to do. If you have a younger person that has been on your heart, is on your heart, that you are praying for and asking God that they would have an encounter with the living God and that their life would be changed forever. I'm going to ask you to stand and if you're able to, to come to the front and I'm going to pray. So if that's you, come on up to the front and we're going to pray that God is going to powerfully reach 
the next generation through the people of God here at New Life Church. Can you just put it down a little bit? I also want to make this call. If there's anyone here today, just come on in, come on in as much as we can. If there's anyone here today that you don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, you may have been in church for a long time. You may be a young person, an old person, a middle-aged person. It doesn't matter. You know the Christian lingo, uh, lingo. You know the way. But Jesus has not impacted and changed your life. If that's you, I want you to come up too. I'm going to pray a prayer. And let me say this. If that's you, and if you're giving your life to Jesus today, you need to talk to someone here that knows Jesus. It doesn't have to be me. There's a whole lot of people here that know Jesus. Talk to someone today about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Y'all have someone in mind. Let me pray. And we're going to close our service right here. We're not going to do the song. Well, we can do the song afterwards. But let me, let me close with this prayer. Father God, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God, the one who died, the one who came into this world and suffered for us, the one who after he died rose with all power in his hands, the one who sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, will you hear our prayers? God, there are sons and daughters. There are young people all around and about us who have left the church many have left the faith and there are other multitudes thousands all around us in this part of the city that know nothing of this god who we talk about oh god will you do your work will you revive hearts will you change lives May there be encounters with the living God. And Lord, I'm going to say it right now. We don't have to wait for someone else. Start with us. Start with us, oh God. That we would have a fervor for the Lord. That our prayer would be Jesus flow through us. Jesus, heal the bruises. Jesus, please use us. God, do your work. Glorify your name. Have your way. Save, 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 save. Heal and deliver, oh God. We claim loved ones. We, can't, we claim young people. We claim many in this community. And we ask of you, oh God. We beg of you, oh God. Have mercy. And show up. And save, we pray it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bob, lead us.